our foster care system is shattered. And this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, change in the system and changing the lives of children in foster care. Hi, my name is Rob Shear. I'm the founder of a national charity called Comfort Cases. I'm an advocate for children in foster care. I'm a public speaker. I'm an author of A Forever Family. But most important, I'm a dad to five of the most amazing kids. Welcome to the Fostering Change podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Rob Shear, and welcome to Fostering Change. I am so excited about this episode. This is actually going to be a two-part episode because my friend has flown all the way here from sunny California um, to not only stay here at our National Center, but to talk about this amazing partnership. Um, everyone, please meet my friend Bob Dalton from, you know, Saks Cloth and Ashes. Now, before we get started, I want to let you know a couple of things. Number one, I know you want to send me emails and say, why don't you have mask on? Just to let you know, we have been vaccinated, we have been tested, and we have done all the precautions that we hope each and every one of you are doing because safety is our very first thing. So let's get started. So Bob, welcome to the East Coast. Thank you for having me, man. You know, I'm pretty excited that that you and I have built this friendship over the year and, and you know, you have done so much for comfort cases with your organization, your company. And um, I definitely want to get into that. But first, I'd like to talk about Saxcloth and Ashes. You know, I remember when you first reached out to me and I went to your company and I was just like blown away. Um, and I'm always sending you text messages showing, you know, one of my kids with their favorite blanket, which of course is from Saxcloth and Ashes. So tell me what made you decide to start a blanket company? Yeah, I was just transitioning out of a nonprofit, doing nonprofit work, and um, I decided to just start looking for work because I wanted to become a little bit more self-sustaining uh, in um, just making an income for myself to be able to put myself in a position to be able to provide. So I just started applying for jobs, and during that same time uh, period, my mom ended up uh, going through a series of events where she ended up uh ended up living on the streets and it it wasn't like a a quick thing it there was very specific things that happened like she lost a couple family members she got caught up into some addiction and then um through trying to start her life over kind of in that process she had a couple family members that ended up not being there for her and then ended up living on the streets and when i tried to extend support and help she didn't want to receive help from me because she she had a really difficult time receiving help from one of her kids. Right. I mean, and, and that's a yeah. typical parent thing, by the way, Bob. I mean, you know, as a dad of five kids, you know, I I can feel what she feels when it comes to you don't you want to raise your children to take care of themselves. But the last thing you think about is taking, you know, I'd like to jump back a little bit because you you talk, you talked so much about the same thing that I see in the foster care system, you know, mm -hmm. even especially with kids aging out, they become homeless, they get drug addicted, you know, um, when you were a kid growing up, did your mom ever show any type of mental illness whatsoever? Did you, you know, is this is this something that you could say, looking back? Wow, I see it now. No, she was an incredibly successful woman, beautiful woman, two college degrees, 
manage restaurants her whole life, raised my sister and I by herself. And so she got to a point where like she lost her mother and her brother within about the same year of each other. And that's what really took a toll on her at first, which it would take a toll on all of us losing two family members very close, you know, especially your mother, especially the people that are your support. So she ends up on the streets that changed my paradigm of how I view homelessness because I was always the guy that would drive by people on the street and whisper under my breath, go get a job and had little to no compassion for people on the street. And it was just a very entitled mentality. I understood and was passionate about helping every other societal issue except for homelessness. And the irony was that my mom, the person closest to me ends up in that situation. And so that inspired me to do something about homelessness. So I started calling homeless shelters in my area to ask what they needed. They said blankets. And I was familiar with the one-for-one business model that Tom's and Warby Parker had been doing. But I thought it'd be interesting because homelessness is such a prevalent issue here in the United States. I thought it'd be interesting to do a one-for-one model that's helping and give back locally. So I came up with the idea that for every blanket that I sell, I'll donate a blanket to your local homeless shelter. So no matter where you live in the United States, if you buy a blanket, we'll send a blanket to a homeless shelter down the street from where you live. And uh, really wanted to bring the focus right here in the United States because this is an issue that's happening right in our own backyard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're so right about that. You know, I have to tell everybody, um, I'm really impressed about something, Bob. And let me tell you what that is. You admitted to, to something that so many of us think, which is we pull up to that stoplight. And I know many of you have done this. You pull up to the stoplight. You see the person standing at the corner. Either you don't make eye contact or you mumble under your breath because you think that that person is standing there because they're lazy. You think that that person is standing there because they're trying to milk the system. Mm-hmm. And that's really not what it is. You know, I've I've gone to shelters in which I know you've traveled the, the country and gone to shelters and people that I've met, they want to work. Mm-hmm. You know, they want a job. They want to to contribute to society. Do you see that same thing? Yeah, and and if I'm honest, I still struggle with my my judgment and my bias. You know, I I call it like um green light racers like we try to hit the green light so that we don't have to stop and be faced with the reality that this exists in our society and so i still i caught myself a couple weeks ago like having some uh judgmental thoughts towards somebody because they were like super cracked out and i just had a negative perception of them and i caught myself still having those kind of feelings and those kind of thoughts and so i by no means am i exempt from still wrestling with that and i'm still I feel like I'm on a journey to reverse a lot of my previous thinking. Um, And after doing my business, that's specifically helping the homeless for seven years, uh, I still struggle with my own bias. And so that's just reality. And and I think a lot of people do as well. You know, I, I think that this is a, you know, when you feel entitled and you feel like you've worked hard to earn something, um, you typically have a judgmental, the attitude toward people that you feel like haven't worked that hard and they're just at, asking for a handout, you know? And so it's a universal struggle. I, I think it's a something that needs to be addressed. And I think at the very core of what our work is, is we want to um, bring an aspect of dignity back to the homeless community. And that could come through just looking people in the eyes when you are driving by them, you know, and just acknowledging them as people and, and not projects or objects. Princeton did a study 
where when we drive by people on the street, we actually process them as objects. We don't wow. process them as, as human beings. And, and I think that, you know, step one is being able to notice them as human beings and, and not as objects. And that's really a big part of our work. You know, I, I love what you said when you said, you know, looking at people and acknowledging them. It's something that, that I talk about quite a bit. I, I actually say to my kids, um, dad really wants you to do the five and I call it the five. And that's, I want you to acknowledge five people that you would have normally not acknowledged. And that means when we pull up to the traffic light, don't look away. That's a human standing there. Acknowledge it. Maybe I might not have a goodie bag that I need can hand them, which we try to keep in our car, or maybe a couple dollars that I have in my car. But it, the least we could do is give them dignity by giving them respect of smiling. At 100%. Them. And I mean, it's really rare that they would be upset by you not giving them something. But, you know, I usually like, if I don't have anything on me, I like smile and make sure that like, hey, what's up? I notice you like, and there's always a mutual respect, like they always wave back and like they understand, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think that that's been a, a big part of my own personal journey of reversing a lot of that thinking and, and making sure that, um, you know, I, I wrote a poem uh, when I was starting Sackcloth a long time ago. And the end of the poem is, now when I see people on the street, I don't just drive by. I look at them dead in the eyes and I see them as people, not projects. I see them as people, not objects. I see them as our brothers and our sisters and our fathers and our mothers. You see, my mother has taught me that not all people choose to become homeless, but some just need a second chance and some just need a helping hand. And they all at least deserve a glance from us to see that they exist. And, um, and it, so a lot of wow. from from the very beginning of my journey with sackcloth, it's been reversing that thinking and my bias toward people on the street. And so, um, leading to me actually trying to do something about that, you know, it's one thing to like reverse your thinking, and it's another thing to actually act on changing your behavior. That really um, is the integrity aspect of it, you know. Um, and so, came up with the blanket idea. Bought a sewing machine and a roll of fabric from Joann's and tried to learn how to sew and realize I'm horrible at sewing. So I found a sewer to make blankets for me, launched a website and had some decent photography. And on June 1st, 2014, sackcloth and went live and had no clue what I was doing other than I need to post on social media once a day. Started posting on social media and about five months into it, Instagram emailed me. And they're like, Bob, we love your story. We love what you're doing. We want to feature you on Instagram's Instagram account. And I didn't even know Instagram had an Instagram account. By the way, I didn't even know they had an yeah, Instagram I, account either. I, you know. I, and so I looked it up. They had 42 million followers. Wow. So I email them back. I'm like, hey, uh, how long do I have before you post about Sackcloth and Ashes? And they're like, we're posting about you tomorrow. And it was the day before Black Friday. So they post about us. And it goes out, our story goes out to 42 million people. And that's really what kickstarted the entire brand and, and what the brand is now. So for the next four years after that, we grew the brand on social media, sold 100% of our product online. And in 2018, once we had about a million people following our brand, we decided to launch Blanket the United States, which our goal is to donate 1 million blankets to homeless shelters by 2024. And that was really uh, an opportunity for us to say, look, for the last four years, as we've grown, uh, you now have people that are leaning in, wondering what is our next move? You know, we know we donate blankets to homeless shelters, but like, what are we going to do and, and speak to the people? And that campaign was us addressing 
you know, we don't just want to donate blankets to homeless shelters. We want to donate a million blankets. And while we're doing that, we want to highlight grassroots organizations that are creating solutions for this particular issue. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, there's such a need. I, and I say that there's such a need. And, you know, I'm familiar with the buy one, give one. Um, but you're actually doing it. You know, it also reminds me of Obama. I mean, you're actually doing it. And I've seen that firsthand. You know, Bob, we're going to take a quick little break um, and get back because I definitely have some more questions about, you know, the path that got you where you are today. So we'll be right back. Listen up, everybody. It is so unbelievably grateful in my heart that each and every one of you are listening to our podcast, that you're watching our podcast. Remember, the best compliment you can do is share, share, share. And again, leave your reviews. Um, email me at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org and we'll be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that is inspiring our communities to bring dignity and hope to youth in foster care. You know, for just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Cases mission to eliminate trash bags from the foster care system. For every $10 donated, a Comfort XL duffel bag will be given to a child entering foster care. Please help us be part of the change. Go to comfortcases.org and see how you can help a child entering our foster care system. Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited, as I said earlier, to be here with my friend Bob, who is the founder and CEO of Saks Cloth and Ashes. I'm telling you, if you ever, ever in your life need to and want to buy the most amazing blanket you could ever have, go to their website you know, sackcloughandashes.com because, you know, I love, Bob, I will tell you, I love buying something that I know is giving back to my community. And I say this quite often, you all have heard me say this, some of you will say it's a broken record. Our community is not our zip code, it's our human race. And it is up to us to make sure that we're lifting each other up. And, and knowing that your company, when people purchase a blanket, you're actually helping to wrap Americans who are, you know, experiencing homelessness. You know, I, I don't like saying that that's a homeless person. Because because to me, that's a person. We shouldn't, you know, label them. It's like when people say foster kid, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. These are kids experiencing foster care. These are people who are experiencing homelessness. So before we took that quick break, um, you had gotten the sewing machine. You had gone to Joanne's Fabric, which by the way, we have so many people who go to Joanne's Fabric Shout and Joanne's. They, make, they make lots <laughs> of um, blankets at home for us and send them to us to put into our cases. Um, so you're making this Instagram, it's the it's be, the day before Black Friday and you're getting ready to go on Instagram's account, which by the way, um, we have huge following, nothing like yours and hopefully that will increase, but um, I didn't even know Instagram had a, an account. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, they had 42 million followers and it was it's the largest Instagram account in the in the world. Wow. So when they post about us it was like I felt like I won the lottery and they it's not like they can take paid advertisements or anything. So you couldn't pay them millions of dollars for that type of advertisement. So in some regard we did win the lottery, you know, uh in the fact that we just overnight five months into it you know finally it was me our sewer and my best friend who quit his job and and then from that point on it was it was crazy. so you had to gear up real quick for that kind of a demand 
So were you already looking at the future of how you are able to, to you know, because I, I can't imagine, and, and it probably happened, sitting in your living room with all these sewing machines. Yeah, uh, I was looking into the future, but not to that extent, <laughs> you know. Uh, so instantly it was like, best friend quit his job, joined me, and then I had to quickly find a manufacturer, which I found incredible. I've found multiple manufacturers that make our blankets now in the United States and Florence, Italy. And uh, they ended up having, giving us a way more efficient way of scaling and making product. And so now, you know, we're making anywhere from six or 12,000 blankets every month. And, um, and so, you know, we had to quickly find some solutions of like, okay, how do we make this much product this quick? And figure out how to scale and, and build a brand, you know, from absolutely nothing. Uh, we had one small investor in the very beginning that we ended up buying out. And so there's no investors in the company. So when you're in, when you're scaling a brand with no investment and you're used partnering with banks and, and uh, you know, using the funds that are coming in from selling the product, every single move has to be so strategic in growing a brand from, from nothing, you know? Um, and so now we're seven years in and we, um, you know, after you make it past year three, you know, right. it's kind of celebrate celebratory, make it past year five. I gave a speech at our five year anniversary party where I said, you know, sackcloth is like a seed that was planted into the ground. And for the last five years, our roots have been going into the ground and that root process is so painful. You're pushing through the dirt and, um, you know, there's everything that you can do to stabilize and year five is like a little bud came from the ground. Wow. And it was like, oh my God, I think this is going to work. You know? Wow. I love um, that. I absolutely love and that. So after five years, we're like, oh, this is going to grow into something beautiful. But right. We didn't know if that was going to be the case because five years we were just plowing through the dirt and it was an incredibly painful process. Wow. Wow. You know, um, five years and then comes seven years. But you know, let's let's rewind a little bit because I do want to know as you started this company, how was your mom? Now she's doing amazing. You know, she went through a four year time period when from the time I started Sackcloth for the next four years, she was in and out of rehabs and and uh, struggled with some addictions and really had I just came to a point where I just thought she was going to die. Like it was an incredibly dark season in my life where I just accepted it. And so um, there was an opportunity. I was doing blanket drops at different homeless shelters and programs. And I did a blanket drop at a women's program in Portland, Oregon called Shepherd's Door. And I was learning about their program and what they do. And I told them about my mom and her story and how she inspired me to do what I'm doing now. And they said, well, where's your mom now? And I was like, oh, you know, she's in and out of rehab. So she's in Ohio. And they're like, well, we have 38 out of 40 slots filled in our program. Can you get her here for an interview? I think this program could be an incredible fit for her. And so I flew her from Ohio and she ended up getting into the program. And she went through the 12 month program, sober, graduated, stayed another 12 months now has 24 months of sobriety and now just got hired to be on staff 
at the women's program. Wow. That's full so, circle. Their stories. Yeah, it is really so powerful. full circle. I love that. So, so here you go. You walk into this shelter that you're giving blankets, you're dropping blankets off of. And that is, you know, I always think that, that in our lives that we have those um, aha moments. And we also have those act of kindness moments where people truly make a decision at a crossroad. And I feel like you walked into that shelter for a purpose. You know, I, you could have gone. And by the way, I've been to Portland. There's lots of shelters. They, there is a high homeless rate there. And so you could have chosen any shelter at that moment. And so, um, but to go to that one, and now your mom is actually working there now. Yeah, no, it's an absolute miracle. We actually just did a blanket drop there uh, two weeks ago. And my mom was a part of the whole experience where she was on the tour with us. And then I brought uh, this group of executives that we've partnered with uh, a local market, Zubans Market. And the CEO and a couple of his team came down for the blanket drop. And my mom got to share her story literally in the front lobby where like, she was like, yeah, like, Bob brought me to this program and we sat in that room over there and I did my intake and like, wow, now she's leading the tour and sharing her story as a staff member, you know? And so it's a miracle, you know, I'm, I'm still, I feel like I almost have to go through some therapy about it because of how much it's just radically, uh, I just feel like I'm thankful. Yeah, you know, because I I say this quite often to our listeners and viewers is um, our stories are powerful, Bob, our stories are powerful. Mm -hmm. And the fact that your your mother um, shared her story. I mean, that's a hard story to share, by the way. I mean, you're talking a successful woman. um, And the next thing you know, she's on the streets and, you know, and then getting, you know, I, I talk about this quite often, Bob, and, and I'd love to know your opinion on this. I feel like once someone, and I remember when I was homeless as a teenager, um, once someone is ho- homeless and they're experiencing homelessness and they get caught up in that shelter life is what I call it. It's very hard to break away um, because you have so many temptations. And for instance, you, you talk very openly about your mother's drug addiction. And, and I will, and I talk very openly in my book about my drug addiction um, that I experience. And I think it's because we have so much pain that we're trying everything we can to mask it. Do you feel that that's what your mother, you know, because again, you, you, you said to us, your mother was very successful. So your mother wasn't dabbing in drugs, you know, prior to experiencing homelessness. Do you feel that that's what it was for her? I don't know. Her, hers was alcohol and I, it was, alcohol is a, a really crazy beast, you know, once it like really grabs a hold of you. And so, you know, for her, her story, I think she just experienced a lot of loneliness and, and, uh, you know, after losing people that really was her support system, you know, I can understand that, you know, uh, why somebody would, uh, revert to something like that, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, I mean, you know, she was a, uh, but, you know, we all have our vices and, and with her, the fact that she was able to battle back and get to a place of health uh, is incredibly inspiring, including to me. You know, I she ran a half marathon this last year and and I'm like, my mom's healthier. <laughs> That's and, amazing. And I'm so, not running no half no, marathon, no, by I'm, the way. Yeah, me neither. I'm like, uh, it's incredible how, you know, she's not only just like not drinking anymore. It's like she's fully thriving in life she is and she so really is. her story is unfolding still you know and i think there's going to be a time where 
in the next few years, I think she's going to start making her rounds and testifying of that story because it needs to be told. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many shelters I've gone to and told her story that's inspiring the people in the shelter. And I'm not, it's not even my story. Imagine her sharing her story firsthand. And one of her famous quotes that I've always took to heart from the very beginning is she said, nobody can take your strength and your faith away, even when you're at the bottom. And for somebody to be able to say that from a place of where she was at actually at the bottom, it's inspiring to a lot of people that feel like they're at the end of their rope. Yeah, no, I mean, I love that quote, by the way. I absolutely love that quote. Um, you know, I, I, I just have a one couple more questions um, for this episode, but I'd like to know, did your mother forgive? You know, I, I heard you in the beginning talk about, you know, there was a couple of family members who were supposed to be there for her and they, they weren't. Did she forgive? I don't know. I, I would assume so. I think she's done an incredible amount of work. You know, part of that women's program, they go through different level, uh, stages or levels, you know, and there's a big part of those levels are the therapy and the unpacking of your past and really understanding your story, you know, and, and based on her energy and her positivity in life, like it's hard to have that kind of positivity and without, without forgiving, yes. you know, um, you're right about that. I say this all the time. Um, forgiveness is so many times about gaining the power back, mm -hmm. you know, really gaining the power back. I, I, I was talking to someone the other day and they were trying hard to forgive someone and they were like, they don't deserve forgiveness. You know, they, they wronged me. And I said, you know, I said, think about it this way. You're forgiving to gain the power back. You know, you're not forgiving to they can go on and you're, you're forgiving so you can be set free. And I, and, and hearing the story of your mother and how, how powerful she is and, and, you know, just being such a person of motivation, when you're telling me you're telling this story to other shelters and people are like motivated, um, I guarantee that she's for, forgave. I guarantee you that she's forgave. Yeah. She has that kind of energy about her that like, doesn't seem like she'd hold, you know, accounts yeah. for people. Yeah, so so here she is. She's 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 now working at the at the shelter that you had walked in. You know, Saks Cloth and Ashes is starting to wrap Americans all over the country. Um, let me tell you, I have I follow you on social media. I am very lucky to have your blankets. I'm even more luckier that I get to call you my friend. Um, and so I really want to talk about you, what you do when you give back. Because to me, that is just beyond any words I could ever describe. Listen, everybody, this is going to be the end of part one. I really want you all to stay tuned for next week for part two's episode. Really learn about the partnership of Saks Cloth and Ashes and Comfort Cases. You know, Bob and I both think alike in so many ways. And one of those things is, is that we all should be helping each other out. And I need your help. I need you to please go to comfortcases.org and see how you can impact your community. You know, wrapping a blanket around somebody is giving them dignity, just like what we try to do at Comfort Cases every single day. And you can do that. Please visit saxcloughandashes.com and purchase one of their blankets. If you go to our website, you'll see right there on that front page, they're there because they walk the walk with us. Listen, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fostering Change. Um, do me a favor, 
When you're listening to this, please, please, please share it. You can listen to it on all our podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Deezer, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And then do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You know, leave us a comment. And if you'd like to be a guest, or if you think you have an impactful story to share with our community, please email me personally at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Have a great day, everybody.